Since Tom Brady left after the 2019 season, the Patriots have had two losing seasons in the last three years. Are things now set up to turn around? How do things look around Mac Jones entering his next season as a starter? It's Patriots Day, and we're breaking them down from every angle today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino with Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day and a big welcome to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, happy National Dudes Piss Off Jacksonville Jaguars fans day to you. We figured there'd be one along the way, right? Uh, So far, it won't be the last one either. Are we eight in and that's the first one that's like, hey, we don't like what you said about our team? Well, it wasn't even... There were a few exceptions that were taken, right? Yeah. We didn't mention Jamal Agnew, which he's on the sheet. Right. Had him as quality depth. Quality depth player, nice role player within that offense. Yeah. Speed plus out plus value. Uh, we didn't like the concerns about the hangover for Calvin Ridley. We got uh, we got the tackles anybody watched wrong. Deshaun Watson last year after missing all that time. We didn't like we got the tackles wrong. Walker Little's actually the left tackle. Okay, same same everything I said still applies. Well, and now you're introducing an an additional unknown variable in having. Anton Harrison flip over to the right side of the offensive line. And we didn't have any cornerstones for Jacksonville. Hmm. But we're here to tell you Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne very easily could become roster cornerstones. Right. They're incomplete. Or No, we, we gave Travis the quality start, right? So uh, you made the mistake of mentioning to me the YouTube comments in the pre-show no. so that I went and read them. So that's how I was going to burn our three minutes of, of fluff. No. All right. So well, we, were if... really, we were really excited for this until about halfway through, and we said Walker Little was an offensive lineman, but Anton Harrison was going to play in place of Cam Robinson, which is factually correct. It's just a matter of they're shuffling yeah. who's playing what spot along the way. But it, well, it really sapped their excitement, and we we totally missed the mark with Jacksonville, so we apologize. Well, if any of those disgruntled Jaguars fans are here today for us to talk about the New England Patriots, we hope that you were able to hear our uh, brief rebuttal. Uh, but we do get to talk about the New England Patriots on today's Happy podcast. National Say Nice Things About a Team You Despise Day. I'm just going to say honest things about a team. Oh, correct. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. We'll, we'll, there will be honest integrity but i don't think there's any secret of, of joe with the bison hanging in the background and kyle with the dan marino jersey on the wall we had a lot of heartbreak at the expense of this football team that we're talking right. about here you're welcome Patriots. yeah all right so let's open up this conversation with the offensive side of the football and obviously the big 
the big thing here is that we have an offensive coordinator, a real one. Bill O'Brien is in the in the mix here, and we know that that brings a lot of legitimacy to the operation in ways that it didn't last year. A really goofy situation there with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge and asking them to do something they've never done before. And so they're they're going to be a lot better suited to to take a step here with Bill O'Brien uh, taking control of this offense. So I, I mean. We're obviously going to talk about the players, but I think the prevailing thought, the big thing on my mind with this offense is we got a coordinator now. Yeah, there should be a lot less dysfunction. Um, now, you say that, and Joe Judge puts a block of time on the Microsoft Office suite in the computer the wrong way and costs the Patriots two days of OTAs. And we'll be totally fair to New England. That's a dumb reason to lose a couple of OTAs. Yeah, that was aggressive, right? It's, it's dumb. It's pretty yeah. dumb. But uh, former head coach, attention to detail, Joe Judge, the guilty, the guilty party there, apparently, or at least that's, that's what the story is. But, uh, yeah, Bill O'Brien coming in, I, I think, is a major, major upgrade. Um, what that will do for coherency and how they try to tie what they do together, uh, I, I think, is good. I think the identity of this team uh, on the offensive side of the ball, there's going to be no surprise they're going to want to run the football, control the clock, control the line of scrimmage, and try to uh, big boy you. Uh, I think when you look at the vast majority of their pass catchers as well, be it Devontae Parker with size or the tight end room with Hunter Henry or, or the high point ability of Mike Gusecki where the challenge is not necessarily staying on his body to cover him, but covering him at the catch point to, when he elevates high for the football – Juju Smith-Schuster, Kayshawn Boutte is the rookie that's coming in. A lot of physical players in the pass catching. I think that does narrow your margin uh, for error for Mac Jones, where you don't have a lot of separators in this group, mm-hmm. right? You got a lot of size. You got a lot of physicality. You got guys that are going to be positive contributors for the most part uh, when you're running the ball with Ramondre Stevenson. And they're going to build everything with off of that with play-action passing and, and hope that the scheme can get the separation and the space for the guys to catch football. I'm glad you went there because one of my prevailing thoughts was also that, hey, we got some experienced pass catchers here. I mean, really across the board, a couple of tight mm-hmm. ends, three receivers, but no real needle movers, no math changers, nobody that you look at and say, wow, that guy deserves 150 targets. And because he exists on this football team, defenses have to play us differently, right? They don't have that type of guy. But maybe the philosophy here is what you're talking about, is it's a lot of bully ball and being able to out-physical. And obviously we know that they're going to want to pound the rock with Ramondre Stevenson, who had a great season kind of taken over as a a lead back for the Patriots, something we haven't necessarily seen very often for them. Uh, It's kind of funneling the offense through him and using play action in those those size guys, those guys that you feel like can uh, be – consistently leverage at the catch point and and try to win their fair share of that to be able to keep this offense moving but there's there's certainly an explosive dynamic I think that's missing here uh from from this this skill group doesn't this kind of feel like a more mature version of what we assess the Texans to be this year we talked about the Texans and all the players that they brought in and we're like there's a lot of new pieces but we don't necessarily love the ceiling, but let's acknowledge that the floor is pretty darn high. And that's when I look at Ramondre Stevenson as a quality starter at the running back position. Uh, James Robinson, the backup they brought in, has been an adequate level starter as he 
since since he rushed for a thousand yards in Jacksonville as a rookie. Mm-hmm. And you have Devontae Parker, adequate starter. We have graded as Hunter Henry of it as an adequate starter as an inline tight end. Uh, they replaced that whole tight end room from a few years back with all the investments that they made. And now Mike Gusecki's here on a one-year deal. And we have him graded as an adequate level starter. And Juju Smith-Schuster is an adequate level starter. It's just like the floor is pretty high. Or the floor is pretty high. The problem is the ceiling's not. So the pressure falls back into the coaching mm-hmm. to cover the distance when you get into late in games. And that's always kind of been the Patriots formula, right? We're going to the things are going to be close. We're not going to do the self-inflicted wounds at the end of games. And that's where we're going to win the football game. We're going to talk a lot about the offensive line in segment three, but just any general thoughts here that you have with the makeup of this group. I know Cole strange was a debated first round pick and, and I thought he stabilized a lot, especially later in the season, kind of mm-hmm. that back 25% of the year. I thought he settled in and played some good football. And then, you know, a couple of guys that have been there for a long time and David Andrews and Trent Brown, their left tackle and in, in center, Mike Unwainu, I'm a big fan of at right guard, a really powerful player that leans into their identity. And then I'm concerned about right tackle. I thought Riley Reef, um, you know, for a, for a Bears offense that really kind of needed him, um, I thought he was inconsistent. And, and you know, I, I I'm not sure. I I I think his best football is very clearly behind him. So, how do you feel about this offensive line? Um, and that's I had a, a real turn. I I had a really hard time separating the execution of the actual players with just how incoherent what they did offensively was. I mean, there was... Watching that film and watching Isaiah Wynn, who I've obviously familiarized myself with to a deeper degree because he signed a one-year deal with the Dolphins, and he... They changed schemes... They changed offensive line coach. They changed offensive coordinator. They had your tackles both change spots. Your right tackle went to left tackle, and your left tackle went to right tackle. All in the same year, and you very clearly, the first half of the year, just you, you didn't know what you were doing offensively. Before you were like, oh, why don't we just go back to do the stuff that McDaniels did that everybody knows how to do because it's been the same system for 15 years. And magically, we look a lot more coherent mm-hmm. running the football. We're more balanced. There's less assignment busts and guys running into space and not touching anybody to try to block. So that's the big mystery for me with this offensive line. Now, I, I think largely, I feel like I have enough of a, a workload volume for Andrews and Trent Brown to to know what they are. Reef wasn't in that situation last year, so I feel like you know what he is at this stage in his career. I would agree with you. I think Cole Strange, his evolution is a perfect embodiment of weird. You went back to what everybody else knew what, what was happening and it was stable, and then you started to see the progression from him. So I that I I really struggled with that. Um and I struggled with that to some degree for, for Mac Jones as well. But obviously there's the previous season and our evaluation of Mac Jones coming out of Alabama and, and what the physical skill set is there. I think that painted a little bit more of a clear picture where I think the ceiling for some of these players on the offensive line is higher than than where we may end up coming to consensus. We have to come to consensus about almost the entire offensive line. And I think you did a really good job right there of buttering me up to kind of see your angle on something, because I think you're higher on no, some of these. 
I, I am higher on some of these yeah. guys than than you are when we came and, and compared notes at the top of the show, but it it was a you know what show. Yeah. So um you talk defense? Yeah, let's talk defense, but before we get there, how about Bilt Bar? Uh guess what showed up uh yesterday on my door? The red velvet cake puff, Kyle. And let me tell you, they're not better than brownie batter, but they're my number two. These are these are awesome. These are really, really good. One of the limited time flavors that are out there. And of course, Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Other limited time flavors right now, they have the vanilla puff. I just ordered that and uh, the coconut brownie chunk puff. So I have a box of that on the way as well. There's always fun flavors coming through at Built.com and they're really fun because they're healthy and they're delicious. They're delicious because they come in great flavors like I just talked about. And of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate, but they're also low calorie. They're low sugar. They're high in protein. This is is uh, 16 grams of protein, 140 calories, 7 grams of sugar. That's awesome. Uh, and it tastes like you're eating a candy bar, and it's good for you. Love that. Uh, so check them out. Go to Built.com. Use our promo code LOCKDOWN15. It'll get you 15% off your next order. But you can also head on over to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get a box off the shelf. Folks, we hype these things up. We love them. Check them out. You'll thank us later. Defensively, New England Patriots. I think the identity of this group is largely the same as what it was last year when we evaluated, okay, really deep safety room, physical linebacker play. We're rolling deep up front with capable players. I think the addition of Christian Gonzalez, if he's able to find his footing fairly early on, will add a really, really nice and needed extra element to the cornerback room. Um, and I kind of feel if if you ask me my general theme, I don't know where the ceiling is with this group, but I again feel like the floor is high. But I also trust if you're going to get the ceiling production from either side of the ball it's probably Belichick in the defensive side of the ball. What I really like about this unit is the potency of the pass rush, and I thought we saw that really come together last year with Matthew Judon and what he can bring to the table, but Deatrick Weiss, who just is such a steady player, I thought he had his best season as a pass rusher last year. Christian Barmore, who I think, if he can stay healthy, can be a really, really dynamic penetration-style mm-hmm. player, and, and his pass rush has been really impressive through two seasons. And then how about Josh Uche, what he was able to de- demonstrate with that burst and that that bend just, off the edge. Just keep him off the field on first and 10 and third yeah. and two. Long and late downs, this guy, dial him up. I mean, he's going to put a lot of stress on yeah. whoever's in front of him to stay square because he's so twitched up and athletic and flexible. And so I think that group of, of rushers, and now you you, know, you added Keon White, um, who's really athletic to the mix. And that's really where I think that this defense – you know, where the conversation has to start is those guys, what they were able to do affecting quarterbacks last year. And, you know, it, that's to me, that's the strength um, of the unit. Yeah, I, I agree with you as far as the potency of the pass rush group. And um, if you were just grading Josh as a pass rusher, I think the evaluation probably would come in higher than where we graded him as an overall player. Um, but all the downs count the same, right? First and 10 is one snap. Third and 12 is one snap. Third and two is one snap. So the value that you bring, now you could say from a positional value perspective, Uche is probably one of the more important players on this team defensively. And I would agree with that. And I think in a, in 
right now I just view him as a skill-specific type of player. And yeah. if he can take the next step and be more effective on running downs, I think you're going to have a really, really nice development for this team as far as personnel flexibility and what you're able to do uh, against all opposing personnels. But right now I would just be pretty leery about having him out there against 12 or 21 when it's first and 10 and, and you've got a chance, a legitimate threat to run the football or in short yardage situations where, you know, you, you might be getting into needing to squeeze and condense gaps or being left unblocked and having split flow come at you on the end of the line of scrimmage. Cause he, he took some big time L's in that, that capacity. So that's, I'm really interested to see how he evolves in that role because that I think is a really large catalyst for improvement for new England with scheme flexibility. If they get a more complete player. I want to lean into your background um, for a question that I have here about this back seven. I know that, you know, you had a lot of time with Brian Flores and, and this style of defense yeah. and just the makeup of the back seven is interesting to me with two big burly linebackers and Jawan Bentley and Jelani Tavai, who, you know, I think they're good take on downhill players, but they're not necessarily the most rangy or dynamic in coverage. But then you also layer that with, a really impressive two deep situation at both safety spots with Adrian yes. Phillips, Jalen Mills, Kyle Duggar, who's really emerging. And of course, Jabril Peppers, who's a great depth player that probably could start for some teams. How does that all work together to overcome the lack of range and coverage ability from the linebackers, but also they, they give you that downhill ability. That's it's somewhat tough to reconcile. So I, I think what they've done with the spine of the defense is, is you have an unsexy player in Devon Gottschow, who they very clearly value at a high, very high rate. And I know you didn't ask me about the defensive tackle, but it's part of the picture that we have to paint here. All right. So you could play a lot of gap control up front. The presence of Devon Gottschow, whether you're in odd or even fronts, you have the ability to um, anchor allow your linebackers to be plug-type players, to trace the back, um, to take on blocks if they want to. And then the safeties, you've got Duggar who can play low in the hole. I think Duggar can probably do anything, right? right. Uh, Jabril Peppers, athletically speaking, we remember when Greg Williams had him lined up in, on Pluto on mm -hmm. every snap. Just, yeah. We're not going to get beat over the top, right? Like, yeah. So there, there is experience playing vertical, but I think he's also at his best coming down, getting into the run fit, being involved in, in your spacing. And then Adrian Phillips has been like a low-key, really, really good, solid starting safety for New England. So I think that the biggest, most important thing about the mechanics of what they've collected here, and I think Marte Mapu tells a little bit of the story, they want to be able to walk into any week and say, what do you do best? Because we're going to take that away. Right? And having these big, long, rangy, dynamic safety players like Duggar that can live on the second level if they need to, you could present two high looks and automatically dictate terms of the play at the line of scrimmage based on your pre-snap shell and then rotate out of it. Um, I think... These linebackers are probably going to have some presence in the same way, maybe not to the same degree, but Donta Hightower and what he was able to do on passing situations 
Marte Mapu is a little bit more of a developmental, I don't want to call him a safety, but he's a safety linebacker-esque hybrid type 215, 220-pound type of player. So if you get into obvious passing situations, I'd expect to see a lot of reps where Tavai and Bentley, if they're on the field, they're mugged up on interior gaps, and then they're going to drop out and just kind of try to take away hot throwing windows, or they're going to be rushing the passer. So that's been the thing for seeing the Brian Flores, Josh Boyer iteration of this defense work. The big barriers were, were, okay, we need to have another second level player that's out there. And it was for a while, it was uh, Eric Rowe and he regressed a little bit in coverage this past year. Was it Elander Roberts? Well, he can't run and cover anybody. He's a complete liability. When Flores was there, he, he hardly ever played on third downs if it wasn't third and short. Um, Andrew Van Ginkle in 2021, they tried to make that player and he played 800 snaps and he comfortably played the worst season of his career because he didn't have enough versatility. So again, it goes to pressure on the, the coaching to get the right players on the field for any given team with the matchups and with any given team of the personnel groupings. You trust Belichick to do it, and I think what they have done is they have gone out and they have tried to exhaust the amount of depth with different kinds of roles that can be fulfilled so that any given week, they have the personnel that can fill all the X's on the chalkboard. It's just going to be different dudes doing it on a different week based on what your strengths are. I appreciate the insight because I'm so used to a static back seven situation. Right. Same seven players every play, no matter what we're doing. Right. And I'm like, oh, you want to get versatile with your players and do different things with them and it, it it's interesting a guy like a guy like josh duggar or josh duggar a guy like kyle duggar probably has to know six different spots man on the same the same play different personnel groupings i gotta be able to fill five different spots five six different spots it's a it's testament tough. to why he's such a good player Dude, but that it's a hard way to make a living. It is, and you can't. It, certain guys just can't get injured, right? And that's why I think you you think uh, this information. I'm thinking about the Patriots and like the stability that they they've had at safety with certain players, whether it's Patrick Chung or the McCordys, like just needing these dudes, right? How yeah. valuable they are because they want to play defense a certain way. I, I I certainly get it now. How about the arrival of Christian Gonzalez here at corner, dude? Like that mm-hmm. was a friggin' good draft pick. I thought he had a chance to be. You know, higher off the board, Patriots are able to be patient and get him. And I think they needed him. I think they needed this type of, of corner that has size and athleticism and um, can help them match up better. They want to play a fair amount of man coverage, and I think they've had some matchup challenges um, over the years with that. You know, if they haven't been able to have a Gilmore or a J.C. Jackson, right? Like, we, we saw some of the challenges that they had with – what they asked Jonathan Jones to do in the gauntlet of receivers that he had to face. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for that, but he's going to be a lot better this year. He, he will be, he will yeah. be. And, and Christian Gonzalez's arrival allows that to happen. So um, that and the, the young guys, right. They got Jack Jones and Marcus Jones. Everybody's last name is Jones here. Uh, they showed, they showed a lot of promise last year as well as, as rookies. You want to kind of start to come to consensus on the, some of these guys. I'll pull up the death chart. We shall. Okay, that's what we're going to finish with here on this episode of Locked On NFL Scouting. So here's the Patriots depth chart, Joe. We have 
Uh, a vast majority of overlap. We need to talk about Jonathan Jones a little more. That was the only defensive player we need to come to consensus to. Uh, and then three of the five starting offensive linemen are also incomplete. Trent Brown, David Andrews, and Michael Lewinu, we did not come to consensus on ahead of time. But you see a lot of yellow here. I know I kind of referenced and alluded to that when we talked when I brought up the Texans. I think it's a more mature version of it, but I think this is a very f- high floor team as far as expectations. Uh, a lot of these players, you, you have a very strong level of confidence of who they are as players. Uh, there's not a lot of pink. Uh, I'm going to make the case for at least one more pink, uh, which would be an incomplete evaluation. Um, but I, I think the roles that these guys have carved out, uh, you kind of know what you're going to get. And now yeah. it's the, the pressure is on the coaching to make it right every week. So you want to do Jonathan Jones since we just finished on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, so the difference here is I have him as an adequate starter. You have him quality starter. I think he's a good football player. I think he's physical. I like how he tackles. I, I think he drew a ton of tough assignments, and, and you know those maybe exposed him a little bit. But when he went against more average receivers, I think he, he more than held his own and, and played really, really well. I just don't know that he's an impact starter. I think he's a good starter, a good starting football player. But, like, is he above average? I don't know about that. So, I think we generally saw him the same as a player, right? I think that's probably the first place to start. This guy has played between 350 and 450 snaps in the slot every year until 2021. And last year, he played almost 800 snaps on the outside. So if you got Jack Jones, you got Christian Gonzalez, and you put Jonathan Jones back into being a slot player, and not exclusively in the slot, but a player who's going to live in the slot. Be way better. He's going to be a way better football player. And that's the, the arrival of Christian Gonzalez is what I am projecting to happen to allow that to happen, and that's why I have him as a quality star. So you think... You think they play Jack Jones as the other outside corner and, and John Jones inside? That's what I would do, yes. Okay, if you tell me John Jones is, is their featured slot nickel player, okay, yeah, quality starter. If he's back on the outside, I think he's just sufficient. I would agree with you completely. Okay, so what do we have to do here? Well, I'm, I'm looking to see any intel... <laughs> so that we don't get <laughs> we don't get yelled at. Um, it's 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 funny the the top hit for Jonathan Jones slot is a story from November of last year that says Jonathan Jones thriving in new role as an outside corner, and then the fifth story <laughs> is Jonathan Jones looking to bounce back in twenty twenty three. Well, he got he got like Jefferson Diggs. Yeah, he got all the like, dudes. He's yeah. not built for that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a fair way to put it. I mean, if he's inside, he's a quality starter. If he's outside, he's an adequate starter. So, how do you want to grade him for now? Are we gonna right now? We have him slotted as a nickelback. Correct. So, put him, put him in quality. Okay, so he's going to be a quality starter in the interim. If it makes you feel any better Jack Jones only took 35 snaps in the slot last year all right 
So that probably is the vision. That should be the vision. That should be the vision. And, and if hopefully Miles Bryant doesn't move them off of that, right? Like, don't sit here and tell me that you want to get your best three corners out there, and that means Miles Bryant in the slot and John Jones outside of it. That's just silly. Yeah, I can't, can't wrap my head around it. Right. So we're going to assume that Jonathan Jones is the nickel based on lack of run in that capacity for Jack Jones uh, and the fact that Jonathan Jones, despite that the past two years he's been an outside corner, he is a more consistent and better player on the inside. All right. Okay. Now we have the offensive line. We have Trent Brown, David Andrews, and Michael Awania. Okay. Where do you want to go? Well, I first I want to go with acknowledging what you said at the beginning of that because I think that's fair. And, and looking at Trent Brown specifically, like he had uncommon amounts of sacks allowed, uncommon amounts of penalties. His play was very uneven. And I think a lot of that's tied to not only switching to left tackle, but the dysfunction of the offense in general. He's a better player and has proven to be a better player than what he showed last year. And so Correct. foiling it all together is where it gets tough. The The impression on my on my mind is last year, I think that's why I came in as an adequate starter, and I think that you having him as a quality starter is, is being more mindful of the big picture. Correct. So if, it, if you want to put more more emphasis on what, he was last year, I would be on board with putting him in as an adequate starter. The question is, do you believe that with not having Matt Patricia as your offensive line coach and your primary play caller anymore in year two of you playing left tackle in this system, is that enough? It's a bit of a mystery box. I think he's going to play better than he did last year. But do I want to give him the blue label, right? Because that's where you have him. How much of this is a co- like this conversation is copy paste to David Andrews for you? Effectively, the whole thing. Okay, so you don't have any because we could probably knock this out together. Do you think that David Andrews's highs has ever been as good as Trent Brown's? Though, do you feel like they're similar tiered players? Um. Yeah, I think David Andrews was a stretch where he was probably a top five, top eight center in football. Another goal is like over 30. Right. He's he's aging now, so I understand that there's some regression in that capacity that we need to be mindful of. But especially Andrews. Like, you, you could say whatever you want about Trent Brown where he's done the thing where he's been in... New England. He's been in San Francisco. He had a stop with the Raiders. He had. Do you know the last time he played left tackle? Last year. No, he played right tackle last year. You talking about Trent he, Brown? Yes. Go ahead. He last played left tackle in 2018, and spent 19, 20, and 21 at right tackle, including 21 in New England at right tackle. And then amidst the scheme change, came back and had to to learn how to play left tackle for the first time in five years. And had 13 penalties. (laughs) You think Trent Brown is a quality starting left tackle in the NFL? 
he was the last time he was in New England. 2018, that stop he had when he was left tackle that year. How about this? How about we put Trent Brown as an adequate starter because he is still playing left tackle when his most recent summary was at right tackle. And we put David Andrews as a quality starter. That checks out better to me. Okay. So we're going to do David Andrews, quality starter, hoping that they go back to the Josh McDaniels system full-time, which sounds like it's going to happen, and, and we don't have to, as the center, learn all the calls and not have any checks in place because they said, well, we're just going to we'll, – we'll cross that bridge when we get there for the checks in this offense. So, Michael, and when you as our last one? Yeah, I just I would just like to make the case for an incomplete eval. Okay, I'm ready to listen to the case. Well, he's a two-year starter, right? Mm-hmm. And he was good uh, when he played during his rookie season. And then last year, uh, 2020, or I should say in 2021, he's a three-year starter. Um Didn't it, correct me if I'm wrong. Did he not end up being like for a stretch of time, be the rotational offensive lineman in 2021? 20, yeah, that was 2021. Absolutely. Played all over the place and was like a utility guy. So he'd started the first four games at left guard. And then he spent the next five games at right tackle. <laughs> and then went back to left guard in week 17 and played 30 snaps. So he played 290 snaps at left guard, 270 snaps at right tackle, and two snaps at right guard for Nwenyu. But last year they figured it out, played him at right guard, and started every game, and I thought he played really well. Okay. Quality starter? I think he is. I I mean, last year for sure. I'm fine with that. All right. I thought he was – I thought – Last year's resume was adequate level starter, but if I'm going to apply the same stuff that I'm applying to David Andrews and Trent Brown while acknowledging that he was really good as a rookie, and then like they even he played almost 100 snaps at tight end in 2021. Too. And he's just random, right? Uh, on Wayne, you was was uh, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia proof, man. You got to hand it to him. That that is perhaps the greatest compliment that you could give. Right? He's the only one that didn't regress. <laughs> <laughs> so that's there the Patriots. Is. Any, any big picture thoughts here as we, we wrap this team up? I think the way that you put it as a high floor team is, is a, is a really good lens. And, and I think that puts them in this seven to nine win bucket where it's like, that's kind of your expectation. And then how the coaching staff maximizes these players is the difference between them being a seven to nine win team team and like maybe being in the hunt. And then if you can be a 10 win team, you're probably, you know, like really firmly there as one of the wild card teams. Right. I would agree. Okay. Let's hope so, that this iteration of their kicker and punter is the ones that they can roll with, because that's been a really, really unique situation over the last few years with them figuring out their kicker and punter. Let me ask you this. Uh, if you were to put Cole strange in a bucket right now, Obviously, we don't have to, and that's kind of the point. Yeah. yeah. But but if you had to put him in a bucket, what bucket would you put him in? Yellow for adequate starter. I would agree. Yeah. 
Okay, so that I actually did a lot of the work ahead of time on this. I'm, I won't pull this sheet up, but I will share this tidbit of information. Uh, the teams that we've done, and we've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams now. What ranking do you think the New England Patriots are out of the ten teams that we have done in the NFL? Without the quarterback. It's yeah. very important context here. Without the quarterback, because we have to grade the quarterback separately. Uh, not ahead of San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco is in first place. That's correct. What do you have? Like a, We haven't done that many great teams yet, so it's like Carolina. Uh, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Bears, the Texans, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Patriots, the Steelers, the 49ers, and the Commanders in alphabetical order. There might be two or three based on that. They are two or three based on that. Is it two? They're three. Who is two? I can't tell you. Okay. It's the mystery. We're going to leave you on a cliffhanger here to close out the week here on Locked On NFL Scouting. I'm Kyle Krabs. He's Joe Marino. We are the Draft Dudes. Thanks for checking out Locked On NFL Scouting. Hit subscribe. Come on back. See us again. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make it a great weekend. We will be back on Monday to talk about the quarterback class of 2021 and the situation of those first round quarterbacks as they enter their third season in the NFL.